signal, and you've been here for a while, you know, we, we're in the story, in the journey of the life of Abraham and Sarah. The series is called Original Faith, and um, I've just so been loving being on the series because I felt like we, we're tracking with Abraham and Sarah, or he's not yet called Abraham, Abram and Sarai. It's like we've been tracking with them, and it's like one week, it's like, boom, the promises of God, like in a chapter. The next week, it's like, what the heck went wrong? The next week, God breaks in again. I don't know about you guys, but that feels a little bit like reality and like life. And um, I've got a brilliant, brilliant passage this morning, Genesis 16, verse 1 to 6. Um, it's, pretty, it's, it's similar to my last one, like as you read it, by the end of the passage, you'll be so encouraged, you won't even need to preach. Um, I am being sarcastic. Um, Mandy, you can put it up. Oh, thank you. So it's Genesis 16, 1 to 6. If you guys were here on Easter Sunday, you'll remember Taryn preached on Genesis 15, where Moses has this radical encounter with God, and um, uh, there's this blood covenant, and God literally appears as this torch and this fire that walks through these sacrificed animals. It's like, talk about a supernatural encounter. Talk about like God showing up in your midst. And this is, that, that's kind of where chapter 15 ends off. And we pick it up in chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Sounding like this passage is going well so far. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Going even better. When she, Hagar, knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress, Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Even better. Verse 6, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank, I really just want to thank Mandy and Taryn for giving me these beautiful passages of encouragement to preach on, because that's just a wonderful one that I've been meditating on in my own life. <laughs> Suck. Cool. Let me see if I can extract some encouragement from this. And um, it's quite interesting. I was reading it, and, and the first word that stuck, stuck out to me, you can just put on that first slide, um, was the first word of the, of the passage, now. And um, it's interesting because, as I was saying, what happened is Abram had had, had this encounter with God, and God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to increase you. Wherever you set your foot's going to be your land. And then Abram said, how am I going to know? And they went through this whole process that Taryn explained where they would, they would cut open these animals as a sacrifice, and whoever was the person who was responsible for fulfilling the covenant would walk through this like bloody, torn animals. And, and there was this whole process. And at the end of the day, what happened? God came as a, as a torch and a fire, and he walked through 
as the sign that Abraham, the, this covenant depends not on you, but on my ability to perform it. And then he pours out more promises to Abram. And so he's just had this radical encounter with God. Ever been there? Like just in the glory, on your face, God speaking to you, prophetic words, like you're gonna see the nations, you're gonna do this, God is for you, not against you, you're the head, not the tail, just everything. And then boom, now, back to reality. Like the moment following the promise and encounters often the most opposite or counterintuitive moments to the moment in which God makes himself known and speaks his promise to us. We can live from encounter to encounter to encounter, but it's the moments in between where the rubber of our faith hits the reality of life. Think about Jesus. He has this encounter. If you've never read about it, Jesus, he begins his ministry at the age of 33. John the Baptist baptizes him. He goes into the water. He comes out. An audible voice of God. Has anyone ever heard the audible voice of God? A few of you maybe. Comes out of heaven. A dove, the Holy Spirit doesn't just give him like a few fake shakes that come on him. Literally, physically comes on him like a dove. God affirms and says, this is my son whom I love. And then what happens next? He goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. Often the moment of encounter is followed by great, the greatest testing to see what will happen in our hearts and what we'll do with the word that God has spoken. Living in transition is where the rubber of faith hits the road of reality. It's like we, if you've experienced the presence of God, we've gotta live that out in the day-to-day ugly mess of our lives and our families and our friends and everything else that happens around us. And this is why I've so been enjoying this series on Abraham and Sarah because it's like the promises of God but then you see the rest of their life. And the Bible doesn't hide the rest of their life, which I think is quite amazing. It's like in the mess, in the good, the bad and the ugly, God is moving, God is speaking. But we have an opportunity, we have a response to say, how are we gonna respond to the, the word of God, the promises of God? So that I just got from the word now. This could be a long preach. <laughs> I got 20 minutes left, he's counting. And then it carries on and says, um, now Sarai had borne him no, uh, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And I was thinking about it, it's so interesting. The whole time in the story, from pretty much from chapter 12 through to 15, 12, 13, four chapters, we've pretty much heard about Abram. Lot was thrown in there, a few other people. But now, now the Bible focuses on his wife, Sarai. And I never thought about it until this week, but God had given this promise to Abram that he would become a great nation, but Sarai, his wife, was the one who had to bear the child. And, it, and, and it's so interesting, it says, she had borne him no children. So she was obviously feeling the weight and the responsibility, like, God, you've spoken this promise over our family, but I'm the one who's gotta like, I'm the one who's gotta carry this child. I'm the one, like maybe I'm the one who's infertile, maybe the problem's with me. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but like, God speaks a promise or word over you and it starts to freak you out a bit, like, 
you're gonna do this, or this is what I see over you, and then you start to have that realization like, I'm the one who's like gotta make this happen. Lord, don't you know this about me? Lord, don't you know that about me? Anyone ever been there? She's living under the weight and the expectation of, of, of promise. And you know what happens sometimes? If we, if, we take our, if we take our eyes and our focus off God and we take our focus on ourselves, we start to introspect. Anyone ever been in that spiral? Just like, I don't know about you guys, but if I get into a spiral of introspection, it's first like, oh, flip, this guy cut me off in the traffic. Oh my gosh, people are always getting ahead of me in life. Oh, well, like everyone else is better than me. Oh, flip, you know, well, I might as well just like not trust God for anything because, you know, like I'm not getting ahead in life. And it's just like, okay, maybe it's only me. <laughs> just don't flip and cut me off in traffic, please. <laughs> but it can often be those small things that trigger us and they reveal what's actually going on in our hearts. And the problem is if we try and introspect and try and figure out what's the problem within us, it just becomes this downward spiral of insecurity, of imposter syndrome, of shame, of guilt. And God is calling us as people not to ignore the realities of our life, but in the realities of our life to keep our eyes fixed on Him. Because what happens, she fixes her eyes on the fact that she's not born children and she just begun, begins to descend and you know, the enemy will always want to keep us in a place of introspection. Because when we are, when you're looking in, and I'm not talking about healthy reflection or meditation or being aware of yourself, but I'm talking about introspection, when you try and fix yourself and figure out what's wrong. And when, you, when you're in that place, the enemy loves to get us in a place of introspection because the Lord has called us to be people who look outwards. The promise over Abram and Sarah was, I will make you a great nation. Go out, look up. That was Jesse's word, look up. And what does the enemy want us to do? He wants to get us from looking up and he wants to get us to looking in. And whenever you're stuck in the place of looking in, God says, look up. Focus your eyes on me because the moment you start to look in is the moment your life becomes insular and small. And God has called us to live outward focused lives where we exist not just for ourselves, but the promise of God that is upon you is for the people around you to eat of and to drink of. I hope that's helping you guys. But it's not just that she looked at herself but if you understand that culture, it said she bore him no children. And in the ancient Near East culture, infertility was a curse that was regarded as worse than death. If you were in that Jewish or Hebrew culture and you were unable to have, have a child, this is what Rachel says in Genesis 30, Verse one, when Rachel saw that she had borne Jacob no children, she became envious of her sister and Rachel said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. And some of the rabbis actually took that and they wrote, it would be better for a woman in our culture to die than to live without giving birth to children. So she's coming under the weight of extreme, extreme shame 
And you know, living in a place of barrenness, not only are you aware of the fact that you can't just step into what God's called you to do, like Sarai was actually called to mother a son, but you become full of shame in your own right, saying, what is wrong with me? Guilt says I've done something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. And the enemy will always try to get us to be in a place where we start to look at ourselves and say, what is wrong with me? Because when you live in a place of shame, it draws you into a place of hiding. Something wrong with me, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna withdraw. But there's a beautiful verse in Isaiah, it says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Because what happens is when God breaks us free from shame, we actually stop hiding. And why is it a double portion? It's because if I come and I'm, I've got a great relationship with Dan, and then I, something happens and I live in a place of shame, I'm gonna start withdrawing myself from him. So it's not only me that loses out, but he loses out of the benefit of what I live in. So when God breaks shame over your life, it's a double portion. There's a blessing not only for you, but for other people. And so the enemy will try to keep us in a place of shame so that we withdraw ourselves when all God wants us to do is bring ourselves, bring our lives, bring our callings so that other people can benefit in community from what we carry. Is that helping you guys? And I really feel like there's something of God that he wants to come against barrenness in this room this morning. I feel like there's people here, you're feeling, there's a sense of like a barrenness on the promise of God in your life or places where you just feel like there's things that are literally, I can't, I can't start, I can't give birth to, I can't get going. I feel like there's gonna be a release for many people this morning. And I even feel there might be people in here where you physically are barren. And I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a blessing of God for you. There's a blessing of God for you. And we'll minister into that now. And it carries on, it says, I wanna read that first verse again in its entirety. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an, had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And I thought, wow, that's, that's quite a profound sentence. It's like, put your, put your own name in there. Now, Dave had not seen God do the following things in his life, but he had a credit card, or but he had the opportunity to put himself forward. And th there's something incredible happens when we take our eyes off the promises of God and what he, the word that he's spoken to us and we put the, the eyes of our focus onto ourselves, we start to look and see how the ways that I can start to do the things which I know God is gonna do in my own strength. And it says she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And I don't know if you guys remember, but in chapter 13, I think it is, um, there was a famine and Abram and Sarah went down to Egypt. And I don't know if you can remember what happens, but just before they get into Egypt, Abram says, whoa, 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 whoa. Sarai, you are like really, really beautiful. They're gonna, like, they're gonna want to take me out if they know that you're my wife. So let's tell them you're my sister 
So they go into Egypt. He t- they lie and they say, Abram says, this is my sister. And she gets taken into the house of Pharaoh. And then as the story goes out, a plague comes. Pharaoh realizes that it's actually Abram's wife. And he, and he says, get out of here. Why did you lie to me? But why I think that's significant is because the very thing that happened to Sarai, she now wants to do to Hagar. She got taken advantage of in Egypt. She got used as Pharaoh's property. And she's looking around and she's like, oh, I've got an Egyptian servant. I remember what happened to me in Egypt. Well, I can do the very same thing to the one who came from Egypt. Egypt was a place of trauma and manipulation and being taken advantage of for Sarai. And if you don't deal with your trauma, your trauma deals with you. What Sarah had become in Egypt, she was perpetuating in the life of someone who had come from Egypt. The roots of disappointment and trauma, if not dealt with, will always bear fruit in keeping with that very disappointment or trauma. That which we do not allow God to bring healing and wholeness to in our lives has the potential to sow the seed of disappointment around us. And for many of us, I feel like God just wants to, in this journey, bring healing. Because if we don't bring ourselves, our losses, our disappointments, our traumas to the Lord, they have a way of consuming us. And we can do the very thing in reaction from a place of disappointment or lack of trust that has been done to us. And so perpetuates the very pain that we are carrying in our hearts. Free people, free people, hurt people, hurt people. God wants to bring pain, wants to bring healing to the places of pain in our life so we can be places of healing for others. Amen. I love this quote from Jay Valentin. He says, the past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. The past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. And the enemy will always try to get us to keep looking back to those places of pain in our lives. And if not dealt with, if we don't bring them to the Lord, we can never move on from those places into a place of wholeness and healing. Just feel like God wants... There's an invitation. There's an invitation for us to, you know, sometimes we fail to forgive ourselves because we don't know how to receive forgiveness from the Lord. And I feel for many of us, it's just gonna be a sweet release of his forgiveness and his grace. And I just saw this picture of God like pulling out this root of rejection from many people this morning where we can often live like Sarai, we can live from a place of rejection and end up rejecting those God has called us to care for. But when he pulls out the roots of rejection, he pulls it out completely, and he brings us into a place of freedom. And I felt like God saying, he's lifting off the lie that he can't be trusted, and he does not have our best intentions at heart. He's lifting off the lie that he cannot be trusted. You see what she says in verse two, the Lord has kept me from having children. Isn't it interesting what what happens? The very promise of God, she twists and turns and he spoken a blessing and she has attributed to God as a curse. God says, I will bless you with children. And she says, no, God has kept me from having children. And it's so easy for us to attribute things to the Lord that are not from him. 
She says, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family with her. The moment we step into that place, it all starts becoming about me, me, me. Perhaps I can build a family. It was never about Sarai or Abram in the beginning. It was about the greatness of God and the generations and the blessing it was gonna be to all people. In fact, if they'd taken that promise to heart, they would have realized that Hagar, even though she was Egyptian, was included in that promise because God said, all nations will be blessed through me. And so the person in their house that they had an opportunity to extend the grace of God to, they end up manipulating and using in an attempt to do the thing that God wanted to do. And you know the key of God's promise to Abraham? It lies in Genesis 12 when he says, verse two to three, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. See, it's always God. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And so the moment that we try to do something in our own strength, we stop living in that place of saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I'm relying on you. I'm relying on you. How was the promise to Abram and Sarai to be a blessing that would extend to all nations if it did not originate in God and his creative and sustaining power? You know what's interesting about Isaac? We all know the story. Isaac has to go up on the mountain and Abraham has, Abraham has to sacrifice him. I was, I was thinking about it this week and I was thinking, you know, the same creative power that had to be evidence to give birth to Isaac in a miraculous way was the same power that would have had to save Isaac and keep him alive in that place of when he was trying to be sacrificed. The moment that we try and do something in our own strength, we have to sustain it in our own strength. And I feel like God wants to say like, enough trying to sustain the promises over your life in your own strength. I've spoken them, so I'll give you the grace to fulfill them. I've spoken them and I'll give you, give you the grace to fulfill them. Anything you try and start in your own strength, you've got to sustain in your own strength. If you're gonna try and open a door for yourself and walk in it where God says I'll open a door, you've got to keep holding that door open and holding the next one open. But if God opens the door, Isaiah 22, 22 says, every door that he opens, no man can shut. Every door that he shuts, no man can open. And for some of us, I feel like there's an acceleration here this morning where you feel like the doors have been shut. And I feel like God says he's opening doors of doors where some of you this morning are gonna go, I, I feel like I'm six, seven years behind where I should be, and God says, no, I'm gonna open all the doors at the right time, and you're gonna walk through and be in the place where I've called you to be. And he's coming against delay, and he's coming against disappointment this morning. We really just felt like God wants to say, delay, disappointment, despair, despondency goes this morning, because he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10:23. Let us remain unswerving in our hope for he who promised is faithful. You know what Hebrews 11, 11 says? It says, Sarah herself, even though she was past the age, received power to conceive because she considered him faithful who had promised. And you know that phrase, past the age, means past the opportune time. It means past your kairos moment. Sarah, though she had missed her opportunity in the window of opportunity for God to do what he wanted to do, though she was past that window of opportunity, she received power to conceive 
because she considered him faithful who had promised. And when we take our eyes off the faithfulness of God, our eyes fix on anything that surrounds us in our circumstances. And hope, I love what um, Daniel Strickland says, hope is not optimism. Hope is not happiness. Hope is the reality that even in the midst of my circumstances and everything that surrounds me and all the mess and the ugliness of my life, I keep my eyes fixed on him and his faithfulness. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if your hope dies, it's really difficult to live in a place of faith. But if he resurrects your hope, then faith is the substance, the reality of things hoped for. God said it, and I'm gonna live my life, the reality that he said it, even though the reality that's around me doesn't reflect that right now. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. And for some of us, we just living in the place of saying, God, I know you've said this to me, but I haven't seen it yet. And for others of us, God's saying, I've spoken to you things that are unseen and you started to not believe me because it's like, how can we believe that this will happen in our nation when we've never seen it happen before? How can I believe that this will happen in my family if I've never seen it happen before? How can I believe that you will provide for me in this way when I look at my bank account and I've never seen it happen before? But faith is the, the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And it's not the reliance on your ability to muster up uh, great optimism that it might happen, but it's actually saying, Lord, help me in my unbelief. You are faithful. You are faithful. I'll end with this. It says, um, it says in that verse, um, just the next slide. Oh no, there, verse three. After Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her slave and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And I just felt it's, God just wanted to hit on this. It's interesting that after, after he'd been living there for 10 years, you know, God had said to Abram, I want you to walk the length and the breadth of this land. But what happened is he got into the promised land, he entered into the place that God had promised, and then he settled there. And for some of us, God's saying, you've settled and I'm causing and calling you to be people of movement again. He wants to draw many of us out from a place of familiarity. That's what I felt. That where there's been apathy, the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on our apathy and he wants to turn it into audacity. That where our lives have been manageable, the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on it and he wants to make our lives miraculous that where we've got stuck in this whole realm of passivity, he wants to breathe on it and give us tenacity. I just see like the, the lion of Judah just roaring in this place and breathing boldness on people this morning. He's breathing boldness on you. You know what Isaiah 54 verse two says? It says this, Taryn shared this. Recently, sorry, I know it's, I've gone over time. I'll, I'll, I'll finish now. 
I woke up the other morning at um, 2.54. Well, I didn't. My son woke up and Jenna went to feed him. But I looked at my watch at 2.54 and I, and I felt like I must just look up. I just felt like scripture, two, like chapter 2.54. And I tried to find at like 2.55 in the morning, try to find like what is, what is like the, the verse. Ended up Googling and the only verse that came up was Isaiah 54 verse 2. I thought, okay, that's pretty random. And then it says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I felt like God is saying to many of us, enlarge the place of your heart. Stretch out the capacity of your faith. Do not hold back. Do not restrain it's not a season for playing it safe anymore. I'm calling you to lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I just got so overwhelmed with this verse for like a day. And the following day I went back to it and I read Isaiah 54 verse one and I almost fell off my chair because it says, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. You see, God calls us to a place of enlargement, not when we see the promise, but even in the place of barrenness, he's willing to say to us, I see your barrenness, but I'm calling you to a place of largeness and expanse. And right now, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that every place of barrenness that we encounter in our lives, Lord, we just speak to that right now, Lord, and we say, in your barrenness, you will sing. In your barrenness, you will shout for joy and say, isn't God faithful? And Lord, I pray right now that hope would begin to arise. And if you've just felt like you've lost your hope or lost your trust, why don't you just put your hand on your heart right now won't the band just come up? Guys, I know it's late. If you, it's 11.03. If you need to go, you're very welcome to go. I feel like we can just linger for another five, 10 minutes. I've got some words that I'd like to just speak over people as well. But if you, if you feel like you've just been living in a place where you've lost hope and you've lost two, 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 two sets of people, one, you've lost hope, another set of people you've just felt like You've lost that ability to trust in the goodness of God. Actually, I wanna, I wanna ask you guys just to be bold. Why don't you just stand? I know there's many of you in this room, but we just wanna, we just wanna as you stand, we just wanna surround you and, and declare. But before, yeah, before we surround these people, let's just, this is a holy moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 